Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of the Story Behind the Stories for the Nipua Bannerin Press, dated November 22, 2019. I am Kate Jackman Atkinson, and this week I am joined by Owen Devereaux and Kira Patterson. And as we do every week, we are going to take you uh, behind the stories and tell you a little bit more about some of the background, maybe some of our experiences in writing them, maybe some of the stuff that didn't make it into the story. Uh, we're going to tell you all that great stuff uh, to make your newspaper reading experience better on this week's edition of the Story Behind the Stories. Um, I got to say, looking through this week's paper and this week's list that Owen writes of all the things we're going to talk about, I kind of feel like we maybe could have done this episode last week. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a deja vu. A little bit, right? <laughs> I know on last week's show, which I'm sure everyone watched, we talked about how we had a really hard time fitting all of the news into the paper. Uh, so this week, those stories that maybe weren't quite as time sensitive, quite as date sensitive, or maybe we just straight up didn't have the space for, uh, they've made it into this week's paper and it's a real, uh, it's got some nice heft to it. I wish I were holding an actual copy of it because it's a good 24 pages of solid news. Mm -hmm. But again, uh, even though there were some that uh, we held over that we couldn't fit in last week, there was still new stuff that came oh, in as yeah. well. So it was like, all right, it just keeps going. Exactly. <laughs> so one of the new things that we could not have talked about last week was the new Christmas lights. Um, mm -hmm. Front page picture this week is Town Onipua staff uh, installing the lights as they do every year. Uh, after Remembrance Day, getting ready for the parade, which is actually going to be this Saturday. Maybe it's already happened by the time you watch the show. Uh, I got to say one thing that I'm really happy to see that they have some new lights that they're putting up. Um, I know that some of the old ones were, we were talking a little bit about how, how the old ones were maybe approaching, uh, coming back into fashion again, a bit of a vintage vibe. <laughs> well, I actually, I saw the, um, the new ones and some of the old ones up after dark. Yeah. I think it was when I went to go see a movie at the Roxy, plug there. Nice. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, they look really nice, but I feel like just the fact that they've only replaced a few of them and not all of them they now they don't all match so there's some that are like cartoony and happy and then there's some that are like old-fashioned and fancy right so <laughs> i feel like there's weird. not a cohesive uh feeling yeah to it. exactly yeah. so they had to go one way or the other replace them all yeah. or just keep the vintage yeah so. <laughs> wait until those ones came back in and exactly. they just looked really retro and cool <laughs> Oh, well, they uh, still look really nice. Exactly. But. And if you want to see them, uh, you can drive downtown anytime after, what, four? It gets dark Basically. at four now. Yeah. Yep. Um, or you can come out to the, the, the Santa Claus parade on Saturday. Yeah, I, I think you should do that <laughs> as opposed to driving. Pay attention to the road, all right? <laughs> and, and I say that with all seriousness because there's a few of you out there that don't notice pedestrians from time to time. Until they're on your hood. <laughs> not the kind of hood ornament that you want. No. No. Um, talking about driving, uh, Ken's column this week, he talks a little bit about uh, some of the stuff that he learned or heard about at a conference that he went to last week in Red Deer. He was there as a, he got there as a media person. Yep. Um, and it was a, it was a economic development conference, but the theme was actually looking at um, separation and people made kind of cases for separation and cases against it um, and a little bit about maybe some steps that Alberta could take to uh, gain a little bit of independence in the terms of maybe setting up their own pension fund or police force. Yeah they are not happy out there right now uh, with the federal government in any way shape or form. There's been a lot of talk in the uh, the national media about uh, Wexit mm -hmm. 
And, and Ken needed to see it with his own eyes mm -hmm. and talk to some of the people on mm -hmm. the ground there. So it was intriguing mm -hmm. to see the real perspective, mm -hmm. essentially. Because there's, there's some things going on, there's some talk going mm -hmm. on that just we're not getting it. And he mm -hmm. sort of fills in the blanks mm -hmm. on, on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually kind of hoped he'd, I thought he might be on this week to talk a bit about it. So, mm -hmm. um, but I guess not. You let his words speak exactly. for themselves. <laughs> He's got other things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any thoughts about Ken's column? Um, I, I did think it was interesting, some of the stuff that they talked about. Mm -hmm. um, and I think even if they don't end up getting behind the whole separatism thing, which I think that is probably a better thing. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, opinions aside, even if they don't, they, it's good to kind of take steps, and especially being such a large province mm -hmm. that has kind of their own industry mm -hmm. to be a little bit more independent mm -hmm. and to have their own kind of plans and their own police force and that kind yeah. of thing. I think it's a good investment just to have that independence. Yeah. And um, sorry, go on. No, go ahead. Kate. I was going to say certainly the idea of moving away from the RCMP is something that is being discussed kind of nationally. You do have some provinces with their own provincial police. You have municipalities with their own police. And I know that um, periodically discussion does come up about whether community police could be um, could be better achieved with an actual community police force so mm -hmm. a little aside here Ken doesn't go in depth into this but something we have discussed in the office as well is that the uh, the concept of what is a Canadian mm -hmm. in terms of a lot of people self-identify now as well I'm a Quebecer mm -hmm. I'm an Albertan mm -hmm. I'm from the Atlantic mm -hmm. Well, the fact, it's, yeah, sorry. In <laughs> fact, with one of my one of my uh, roommates yeah. who is from Newfoundland and Labrador, yeah. um, she identifies, I'm a Newfoundlander yeah. first, yeah. and then I'm a Canadian. Mm -hmm. It's just the fact it's that they're so spread out. There's almost yeah. its own culture in each mm -hmm. province, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, we, we don't realize that mm -hmm. this this is many distinct identities within our own within our own culture. That like, aside from the obvious ones of being Quebec. Métis, yeah. what, what may? Yeah. Well, I mean, certainly to, na to obtain a national unity is, is very difficult when we have such a large country that's so spread out. I mean, you think about if you, you know, superimpose Europe over top of Canada, like how yep. many different countries mm -hmm. and how many different distinct cultures in terms of languages and even dialects within the same language. Um, you know, we're surprisingly homogeneous when you compare us to... Um, to other countries mm -hmm. or other landmasses. Yeah, mm -hmm. true. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure that Ken will be writing about this some more. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I'm. I don't usually take a a, a bearish outlook, but I kind of did this week in my column. <laughs> um, it, I pulled together a few different stories that I've kind of heard circulating around, and um, I don't know. Are we starting to see a larger trend or not? Uh, the first one is. Um, Heard about a like a commercial supply store, and they you know they sell to commercial contractors, they sell to farmers, they sell to like a, a vast group of people who are kind of doing stuff and driving economic activity. And they were talking about just how dead it had been. Like they usually would have three or four people working, they just had one. Like there was no one doing anything. Um, unrelated, uh, an actual commercial contractor. Uh, they, it was one, uh, someone who worked for a large commercial contractor and they were saying that you know they, they were finishing this one job and as soon as it was done, they were all kind of expecting to get laid off. The rest of their crew had been because the work that they usually do in the winter, uh, stuff that usually keeps them really hopping, none of it was happening this year. Uh, not that they weren't doing it, no, like it wasn't being done at all. 
Um, really poor year for agriculture, no matter which sector you're looking at. Um, so I don't know, are we starting to see a little bit of a kind of some tough times? That I think we maybe are. I think very much so. Um, when you look at the um, business sector mm -hmm. on a global scale, the United States of America has been the Fed has been propping up the mm -hmm. economy up there for several months. Mm -hmm. And whatever happens in the United States, there are residual impacts that will hit Canada. Mm -hmm. um, and I think as well, Canada's got some major issues yeah. uh, with its economy. Mm -hmm. It's slowed down. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and in your article, you say as well that there were some uh, employment numbers that dropped. Yeah. And that's that's. That hasn't happened really as of late. Yeah, so and stats. Yeah, so yeah. StatsCan is even starting to record some um, some lower employment numbers. So we're even seeing a little bit of uh, this kind of trending nationally. Um, you know, hopefully we can hope that maybe our diverse country that we were just talking about might be able to prop up some of the um, you know this the sectors that aren't doing quite so well. But I mean, oil, which has been a real strong economic driver, kind of pulling the rest of the country along, not doing so well. Um, yep. So I guess the, the question remains whether this is going to be a regional um, or a national problem. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, at least in the agricultural sector, it can change very quickly. Very much Year so. over year. Like yes. this year it was dry, dry, dry. And yeah. then as soon as everybody needed to get their stuff off, it was wet, wet, wet. Yeah. Yep. So, and then next year it could be perfect conditions yeah. and they could, everybody could get amazing yields. Yeah. So, I mean, like this year, I know I have a relative who builds bins, like mm -hmm. grain bins and that kind yeah. of thing. He had very little work this year. Yeah. Next year it could be totally different, right? Exactly. Um, so in that sector, it could come up year over year yes. like it, it could change very quickly but in other sectors like yeah. oil that you yeah. mentioned and stuff like that yeah. um it's kind of on a trend i think yeah, yeah. i think people are scared right now quite yeah. honestly and when you're scared you don't want to take those big trips you don't want to make those big purchases mm -hmm. yeah and it just it just keeps cycling you know farmers don't have a great year so they don't buy bins which means the people who you know make their living uh building bins don't hire as many people they don't spend money and, and it just it, it's amazing how all these all these sectors are interconnected mm -hmm. yeah um i guess maybe kind of on that scale we might as well roll into our next topic uh we are a regional paper uh and this week we we heard the new the unfortunate news that the carberry news express would be ceasing operations um towards the end of next month um but carberry is actually a community that we already cover we went to farm and business boxes in carberry as well as covering um, surrounding communities like Wellwood and Brookdale, we distribute to them already. So um, we are hoping to continue to keep providing residents of Carberry with some news with the closure of their local paper. So we have actually upped our circulation this week to cover all of the residential boxes in Carberry. Um, and so we had a, a Carberry page with a bit of Carberry news um, and to let the community know that we've expanded our circulation. Um, hopefully, hopefully this proves to be successful and we can carry on uh, to, you know, to cover the community of Carberry in the wake of the loss of their local paper. Yep. That's page 10 of this week's edition. You can see uh, just a, a quick little write-up yeah. on it. And uh, you want to add a little more because you some some extra stuff came in after we went to print and we might not get a chance to talk about it next week. So do you want to talk a little bit about a conversation you had in relation to this? Well, I, I called the mayor, uh, Stuart Olmsted, and uh, asked him for his reaction. He got back to me after the uh, publication deadline and he, he said the obvious things that, uh, that 
a lot of th sometimes don't need to be said, but he, he you know, because we all uh, know it's an institution. The News Express was an institution. It was the diary of the community. It shared the information that would not have been shared. And it did it for over a hundred years. Mm -hmm. You don't realize how significant something like this is until it's gone. And the people of Carberry are going to know that, are going to find that out. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's on social media and everybody's sharing bits and pieces here. But it's a little bit different. I still, we still mm -hmm. have people come up to us and say, thank you for writing that story mm -hmm. about my niece or my daughter or my son. Mm -hmm or about me. Mm -hmm. People still clip things and put them in binders. Sometimes they don't like the stories we write That's about them, true. to oh, be yeah. fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like more of a sarcastic <laughs> thanks. Thanks for telling the world that, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> and and it's, 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 uh, it's true, but it's also... Yeah. Um, Those are the important stories. Usually, yeah. yeah, usually <laughs> you, we try and put the good side of it, yeah. but if it's a bad story, yeah. we got to talk about mm -hmm. that too. Yeah. And that's just as important yeah. and for the community. Let me get your estimations, though, because with the Carberry News Express mm -hmm. disappearing, mm -hmm. and I've talked about this because I was in Portage mm -hmm. on the radio station, mm -hmm. and the Daily Graphic was the, was the newspaper mm -hmm. of note for Portage, and then it became a weekly, mm -hmm. and then it became nothing. Mm -hmm. what, Kate, you've been in the newspaper industry much longer than I have. Yeah. What's your take? I don't know, and I mean, it's it's hard to say because I think that we see two, in the industry, we see two competing issues, um, but from the outside, it almost appears as if it's one, and number one is that certainly the economics have changed. I mean, it used to be that you could own a newspaper and, I mean, you just raked in the cash. I mean, buy NHL hockey teams kind of raking in the cash, and I think those days are gone no matter how you look at it. Um, those are gone. However, there is still a viable business model provided that you don't need the business to spin off millions in, you know, compensation or whatever, you know, debt payments, whatever the case may be. Um, certainly in the same way that, you know, you used to, you know, you used to be able to make a whole whack load of money building cars. I mean, the, the industry, ours and many others have changed and it's just, it's, it's not the cash cow that it once was. So you have, you certainly have some industry specific factors um, that, that are creating some problems for some publications that need to be spinning off millions of dollars in compensation or debt repayments or, you know, sh share dividends, whatever the case may be. On the flip side, you have, um, in any industry, you will have businesses that fold because they just aren't doing a good enough job. And some of those business, and I'm not, pointing at any of the particular papers that you talked about but some business some newspapers close in the same way that some businesses close because they just aren't doing a good enough job of either serving their customers or generating ad revenue um, and I think that we can't lump every every paper closure into the into the category of it, oh, it's it's a declining market, or oh, it's just mm -hmm. you know newspapers are dying. I think that we need to be very clear about differentiating the challenges facing papers. Looking at Carberry, for example, 
their circulation was not very large. They had, I believe it was about 790 papers, mm -hmm. if I recall correctly. And, um, you know, that, that's a really low number when you think about it, you know, to generate the ad revenue, readership, subscription. That, that's just, those are hard economics of those numbers. And I think one of the, the most consistent thing in all of these, whether it was the Daily Graphic, mm -hmm. whether it was the News Express, or whether it was the Westman Journal mm -hmm. from about a year ago, the one constant in all of them is these community newspapers were not owned by the community. Mm -hmm. They were owned by nationals. Mm -hmm. And nationals... You need to spin that money off. A desk in Toronto, a desk in Vancouver mm -hmm. does not give a damn mm -hmm. about Carberry. And no. it doesn't give a damn about Portage, and it doesn't give a damn about Brandon. Mm -hmm. It cares about the numbers. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, yeah. that's, that's a big portion, I think. Yeah certainly yep. is and that's certainly in the economics i mean if you own a newspaper as a business investment it needs to be spinning off that money but if you own a newspaper because you know you believe in you know informing the community you believe in you know community service you believe in creating a business that employs people but you're not going to get rich off of those are two very different motivations mm -hmm. yeah Kira, any thoughts before you go on to the actual <laughs> Carberry story that we have to talk about? Yeah. No, not really. Uh, I think you guys covered okay. it pretty well. <laughs> so carry on. Okay. Kira's got some actual news. Um, yeah, another thing on the Carberry page, um, we've got um, a reporter who is going to be sending us some, some stories from Carberry area, which is really cool. Um, it's really exciting. He has some neat uh, personal interest stories. Um, the one that he sent us this week was about Riverbend Colony. Um, which is about 15 minutes south of Carberry. Um, they went to Winnipeg to help out the ba Bear Clan Patrol by um, handing out pa care packages mm -hmm. um, to people on the streets. So it was really neat because um, there were some kids from the from the school, some of the older kids from the school, and some of the adults. Mm -hmm. um, and the school kids had created 41 care packages um, that they had stuff like um, toiletries, snacks, mm -hmm. uh, mitts, scarves, toques, mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, so like just little things mm -hmm. but they can make a big difference mm -hmm. to somebody's day right yep. and they put a lot of effort into it the the kids at the school hand sewed them um, some of the younger kids drew stuff on mm -hmm. the packages and there was one picture mm -hmm. that says hello have a nice day with a smiling <laughs> sun like it's just something that puts a smile on your face it's yeah. a it's a really nice story and I think yeah, yeah. it's it's a good one to, yeah I think to it's have a, covered yeah I think it's a really fantastic story and, and I was glad when Scott who's done yeah. that <laughs> Familiar you, name from the Carberry area. If you do any curling as well, you know Gladwin. He is into the provincial curling scene very much <laughs> so, so we appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, and no, just a really nice story, um, you know, about giving back. And certainly, you know, people in Carberry have really no need to go, you know, support people uh, in the north end of Winnipeg, mm -hmm. but it's really nice to see that they did. Yeah. 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 So that's a lovely little story. Um, I have a, I guess this maybe a in other regional news. I have a, I guess it's a sad, but a, a kind of a nice story. Um, we talked about the fatal fire last week, I believe. It was certainly in the paper. Yep. Um, it, in Plumas, there was a fatal fire at the beginning of this month. Um, two adults and a two-year-old child passed, and um, there were the, the family's four other children were at school at the time, and the community of Plumas has um, the Lions Club, which is the, the service group that is in that community, has set up a, an account at, the, at Stride Credit Union to accept donations for the children um, on their behalf, and they plan to use the money to purchase uh, 
necessities that are immediately needed, as well as um, at a later date, they will disperse the rest of the money to the family. Um, but this is just a really great way. I know a lot of people are wondering, you know, what can I do to help? These, you know, these children have not only lost, you know, their parents and their sibling, but they've also lost all of their possessions in the house. And so, I mean, you certainly can't replace a lot of that, but you can meet short-term needs like maybe they need a coat or you know clothing or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so certainly if you would like to make a donation in support of that, you can either send a uh, payment to the Plumas Lions Club with the um, Lindsay Family Fund noted in the memo on the check, or you can make a donation at any Stride Credit Union. Also related to that story, the Office of the Fire Commissioner did release their finding in the cause of the fire and um, they have ruled it as uh, careless cooking uh, or a pot left on the stove, which is pretty mm -hmm. sad. Yeah. yeah. Anything else to talk about that? I, th I don't think so, no, quite honestly. So it's uh, hopefully we'll have a little more about other, I know that there is potentially uh, some Christmas gift giving drop-offs being planned. Um, I suspect that we will have a little more to talk about on this issue because you know, four children in a small community is it that that's a that that'll be felt by a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, speaking about things that touch or impact a lot of people, Kira, you wrote a really interesting story about an organization that a lot of us know exists but know very little about. So, can you tell us a bit about that? For sure. Um, first off, I would like to apologize at how long the article is. It's Pack over a, a full page. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've got a full page, and then it continues on to another page. So. Um, I'm very sorry, I always do this, but uh, I, there was so much information that they gave me. Um, it's about uh, Touchwood Park, which is the, um, the organization in the community that um, helps support uh, people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. And so, um, kind of the main reason that Blake had approached, uh, Blake McCutcheon, he's on the board, mm -hmm. um, had approached me about this story is he wanted people to know how big of a player this organization mm. is in the community. Yep. People don't realize how many people they help, how many people they employ, mm. um, how many facilities they have. Like They don't realize that it's all over this community and it's just like within mm -hmm. the, the whole network. Um, and so kind of some of the numbers, they have over 20 facilities. That includes group homes, that includes um, activity centers, mm -hmm. um, all this kind of stuff. They have 53 people that they are supporting on a daily basis mm -hmm. that come to their day program, that do the activities, that um, mm -hmm. learn f different skills from them. Mm -hmm. um, and they have 87 staff. Mm -hmm. So Blake was saying when we were doing the interview that there's the school, mm -hmm. there's the hospital, there's the care home, there's High Life, mm -hmm. and then the next biggest thing mm -hmm. is Touchwood, and people don't really realize that. No, yep. um, I certainly didn't. Yeah, it's a really, really cool thing to kind of learn about. And there, in the story, there's also some of the history. Mm -hmm. um, since their adult program started, it has been 50 years. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a, an anniversary milestone for them. Um, they, there's stuff about what they teach mm -hmm. the people, um, the kind of programs and activities that they do, um, what the goal is mm -hmm. of this organization, and all that kind of a thing. And it's a really, really great organization. Mm -hmm. So if you want to learn a little bit more about Touchwood, give that a read. Um, <laughs> make sure you have a good chunk of time to read it, because it's fairly long. But um, the we funny thing a lot. <laughs> exactly. The funny thing is, there's so much more information that I didn't even start out including, because I knew it was going to go too long. And then I gave the story to Kate, and she cut out chunks of it, too, because it was so long. Like, there's there's a so reason. much more. 
there's a reason we're 24 pages <laughs> as opposed to 20 this week, <laughs> and you'll find out why. Figure out it's Kira's fault. <laughs> what I thought was really neat about the program beyond learning just how, like, I didn't know how many homes they, or mm. facilities they had. I mean, that's a huge property owner within the town. Um, I didn't know how many staff they had, and again, a huge local employer that we really don't think about. But what I, I thought it was really interesting to learn about the program because you see, you know, you see they've got a couple visible components. You know, like they have, you know, their their administration and storefront office downtown. Um, you know, I know that we've seen them. They do some activities. I know that you can buy fantastic cookies and oh, yes. baking from yeah. them. Um, but what I thought was really interesting was to learn a bit more about the program and that how they can really tailor it to you know, to meet the individual's needs. Like, is this person, you know, could this person with some help live independently? Mm -hmm. Could they have a job? Could they volunteer? And they have so many different streams, you know, for people who, um, you know, people who maybe just need a little bit of help and they can, you know, they can they can live on mm -hmm. their own there, yep. but in a Touchwood facility or with, a with some help from a Touchwood worker yep. um, and I thought that that was, I thought that that was really interesting mm -hmm. just to understand the whole philosophy yeah. and purpose. Yeah, another really cool number that you mentioned, um, employment and volunteers, they have um, over 20 people mm -hmm. in either a job or volunteer mm -hmm. um, position mm -hmm. in the community, which yeah. is really cool. So they have people at High Life, they have people yeah. at Safeway, yeah. I think there's some people that help out at Salvation Army. Yeah. Like it's really neat to see um, these people, they they might not have had this opportunity, but now they have a purpose in life and they, they can feel fulfilled and they can have more self-esteem and yeah. that kind of a thing. It's really it's a really great job that they do in yeah. this community. No, it's really fantastic. I really enjoyed reading about that. I thought it was super interesting and it's well worth the read, so pack your snack and dig in. <laughs> Um, the next story was actually one that we had intended to run with kind of our Remembrance Day wrap-up stuff last week, but again, we were short on space. Um, a really interesting story that Cassandra wrote about how the LGBT plus community has reclaimed the pink triangle, which was, um, which was actually a symbol that Nazis used to identify um, prisoners during the Holocaust to a symbol that, um, that shows openness and accepting and a safe space. Um, so I, we're kind of running short on time, but I would really encourage you to read this. There was some information in there that I didn't know. Um, and as we kind of progress from our Remembrance Day stuff, this is just another really interesting way to um, remember you know, the things that have happened and maybe, yeah. maybe if you can draw a little bit of positives from it. Right. Um, Kira, curling. Yeah. Kira Road Sports, two sports two stories. Two sports this week. stories. Like, what the heck? Yeah. Um, Owen, what have you been doing this <laughs> Owen's week? Owen's been on holiday this week, apparently, <laughs> because he hasn't talked about anything. But <laughs> um, yeah, one of the stories that I got a heads up about a little while ago was two um, NACI students. They are involved in a high performance curling program that's up in Dauphin, um, which is really cool. Uh, they, uh, they've been doing it for a few weeks now, and it's going to be running till March, and they brush up on skills Brushing. like nice. brush up <laughs> with played. their broom. Mm -hmm. on skills like sweeping <laughs> and throwing and coming out of the hack and strategizing and that kind of a thing. It's, uh, it, they, they're really enjoying it and they're really learning a lot from it. So give that a read, yeah. see yep. what, they, what they're Keep doing. Do you want to talk about some other local young athletes who have won some awards? Sure, yeah. There's uh, these two superstar track athletes that are also from NACI. Um, Lara Denbo, she's 16, and Dax Turner, who is 17. They have won some provincial awards from um, Sport Manitoba, I believe, or Athletics Manitoba. Um, they both won for Outstanding Jump Athlete in their um, respective gender and age categories. And they also were nominated for um, Athlete of the Year. And Dax won and the Athlete of the Year, and 
Lara, she also got a silver medal for her performance championships and he got a bronze medal for national championship mm -hmm. performance as well so many awards exactly hard to, to keep, keep it all straight, straight. That's, true. that's true that's great mm -hmm. yeah. so really nice to see local athletes really excelling um proving that you can really achieve great things even if you come from a smaller school exactly. or a smaller community mm -hmm. yeah. speaking of which owen we have your sports story very much so i still wrote all the mm -hmm. all the hockey stuff but again I get a lot of people saying, hey, you talk too much about hockey. <laughs> well, here you go. We got gymnast, we've, we've got uh, mm -hmm. track and field, we've got curling, we've got CrossFit in here, <laughs> but we don't have time to talk about that today. But we do have football. Um, it was Award uh, Brister, the quarterback for the NACI Tigers, just a grade nine student as well. Won Rookie of the Year for the Royal Manitoba Football League. You can check that out on page 14, mm -hmm. right next to Dax and Lara. Mm -hmm. uh, so wonderful to see these three individuals. Just, mm -hmm. And, of course, it, it, they're part of a team, though, as well. So they, they were pushed to take it to that next mm -hmm. level by their teammates. So uh, great news all around. Page 14 of this week's edition. Yeah, it's fantastic. So at that, we we're getting to the end of our allotted time. Uh, I feel like we've only just scratched the surface. Mm -hmm. This is legitimately, we've, we've done maybe half of this paper, yeah. quite honestly, yeah. maybe. So I would really encourage you to pick up a hard copy if you're within our coverage area, which goes from north of St. Rose to south, including Carberry. Uh, west, we go west of Minnedosa, Erickson, Oninal. East, we go to Westburn. You can also read it in its entirety online at mywestman.ca. Um, or if you want to listen to it being read on NACTV, you can check the schedule. They'll read it out for you. So whoever's reading it this week better allot themselves a little extra time. Yeah, <laughs> um, just for Kira's story. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so if you would like, if you have some news, we would love to hear it. You can contact us news at nipwabanner.com or call us 476-3401. That's area code 204. Uh, if you have ads, we would love to include those as well. We can reach a huge number of readers uh, within that coverage area. Uh, we go out by Canada Post, so it's free circulation. We cover about 9,000 copies now. You can email us your ads at ads at nipoabanner.com or call us 476-3401. Uh, again, we really appreciate you joining us this week. We hope you'll join us again next week. Uh, on behalf of myself, Kate Jackman Atkinson, Owen Devereaux, and Kara Patterson, uh, we look forward to seeing you again when you join us for the story behind the stories. <laughs>